nerves and excitement for a season's first home fixture. But this match feels extra special. For Shrewsbury Town fans, this is their first chance to watch their team from the stands more than six months. So and welcome to this special stand-up cast with myself, Glenn Price, and uh, not joined by Ollie Warner. He's back home this week, but I've managed to come into the football club again, um, not interviewing Sam Ricketts this time, but interviewing someone that might be a little bit just as important at the moment, um, Lawrence Ellaby, who is... What is your official title at the football club, Lawrence? Safety officer. Safety officer, there we go. That's a nice, easy thing to remember. And we are joined by Mike uh, Davis, the supporters' liaison officer, because as we discuss things going forward, we're going to talk about the trial for the 1,000 fans, um, a bit of feedback on that, um, and then have a think about maybe the rest of this season and some other questions that we've, we've got from Mike as well. So, yeah, thank you for joining us, Lawrence. It's good to have you Pleasure. on. Good Pleasure. stuff. And, yeah, thanks for joining us, Mike. No problem at all. Good stuff. So we wanted to start, really, before we got into the trial... Um, by having a chat, Lawrence, about you and your role at the football club, and I had a bit of research, and it feels like you've been here quite a long time already, but you started in 2017, and um, there's a bit of p- bits and pieces on our website about what, what you did beforehand, but just give our fans really a bit of an idea of how you've ended up at this football club and what your career's been like so far. Okay, so uh, on, on the back of uh, 30 years in the, in the fire service, which culminated in me retiring in 2012, yep. um, I, worked, I started working at Edgebaston in 1997, uh, as a, just as a steward, a friend yeah. of mine was a steward there. I've got a love of cricket and football and, and golf, as you as you know. <laughs> so, um, started working as a steward in '97. Um, did a few roles over a number of years. The safety officer at uh, Edgebaston just happened to be the safety officer at Crew at the time, so he got me stewarding at Crew as well. Okay. So a bit of a covered all, covered all year round. And then you know, cut a long story short, sort of things progressed over a period of time. Did some work in the control room, uh, radio stuff, CCTV, that type of thing. And then in 2012, as I was retiring from the fire service, the deputy safety officer at Edgebaston was retiring as well. Okay. And they asked me if I'd be prepared to take on that role. So I did, and, and I'd also done, I'd done my MVQs in levels two and three at the time, and then did level four. I, I was training and assessing stewards from non-league football to Premier League football, yep. uh, all sorts of different sporting events. So it was just a, sort of a natural progression when I had the time to do it, which is obviously after, after I retired. Hmm. So I, I carry on doing that, and then 2017, as you say, July 2017, um, I saw there was a vacancy here, and I thought that'd be really good. You know, hometown club, um, local for me, saved a lot of travelling to Birmingham and back. And <laughs> as, as the old saying goes, the, the, the rest is history. I've been here since July 2017, and enjoying it. Absolutely, yeah. good. That's yeah. the main really thing. good. Yeah, really good. So, safety officer at this football club, then I, I imagine that's quite an all-encompassing job. Um, you know, kind of what are the key aspects really of, of that role at this football club? Uh, well, the, 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 the easiest way to describe it is I, I just have responsibility for making sure that we comply with all the requirements of the stadium safety certificate that's issued by the local authority. Okay. So that means um, making sure everything's tested, making sure everything's maintained, making sure things are serviced, all the checks are done before games, after games, sitting in on obviously safety advisory meetings, liaising with the police, mm-hmm. anything that. that Makes keeps the stadium safe and any 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 responsibilities if anything happens on the match day. I guess it's I say it's such an important role because if we fail on one of those things, it's the sort of thing where I guess there are fines potentially or parts of the stadium being closed or lots of things that can happen if we don't jump through all these hoops in the correct way. And you know, if you mess up on your job, then the club's in trouble, isn't uh, it? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the safety certificate itself is a, is a legally binding document. Okay. So so we have to you know that it's however many pages long, it has to be complied with. It. You mm-hmm. know, there's no there's no way around that, that that's what we do so that essentially that is that is my primary role to make sure we meet all the requirements of the safety certificate okay and on a match day then i, I see you here pretty much all the time you know things seem to think you have quite a long day on, on a match day but obviously we can't talk about this season because it's a bit different and mm-hmm. we'll get to the trial in a minute but you know go back to last season on your match day so what, what time are you rolling in and, and leaving the stadium really what's uh, what's a match day look like match match day for me is probably eight thirty mm-hmm. till 7 p.m 7 30 p.m Oof. roughly it's more hours than me and Mike do. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think I suppose to be fair, a match day starts on a Thursday, really, for mm-hmm. a Saturday, because there's a certain number of checks have to be done 48 hours before, a certain number of checks have to be done 24 hours before, and then obviously you've got the, the checks that need to be done on the, on the Saturday morning. Yep. So, so yeah, that, that's sort of the, the run-up to it, and then... <laughs> I have Sunday off and then back in on Monday to do all the post-match paperwork. Like a footballer. There you go. You, <laughs> yeah. you only get Sunday off and then yeah. you're straight back in for a bit of a Monday morning training. That's yeah. good. And as I say, you are enjoying it and, and you mentioned it's your hometown team and, and you've, you've lived in Shropshire for quite a while now. So 
you yeah. know, there is that ex- that sort of, um, I suppose you say, you're into retirement now, but having a, a job that's on the doorstep must be really good fun. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. No, there yeah. you go. Fantastic. Well, I, yeah. I'm hoping I end up doing that, Mike, one day. <laughs> I'm doing all right at the moment, but um, we'll, it, we'll get it was, to that. It was too good an opportunity to miss when it uh, when it arrived in 2017. That's fine. I should really ask, actually, you know, this might be a controversial question. I didn't preempt you with this, but who, who do you actually support in football, or are you more of a cricket man or a golf man? Uh, well, being a, being a Mancunian born and bred, I'm from the blue side of Manchester, oh, okay. I have to say. Oh, well. So that'll please some and not others, I suppose. <laughs> you've enjoy, yeah, you've enjoyed the last 10, 10, 15 years, I suppose, following your club, haven't you? But, um, yeah, I, 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 did you used to follow them when they came to the Meadow in the 80s? Were you... <laughs> uh, I, I, well, to be fair, I did have a spell where I sort of didn't go. That would, then. Oh, OK. I, then, yeah. I was very much a sort of 70s, uh, very much a 70s supporter and, and then missed a little bit and then got back into it a bit later on, so... But what? But we talked about golf just then, and I know you're quite passionate about. It. Is, would you say that's your main sport, though? You, you, Absolutely, golf you, now. Yeah, yeah. If, if I'm away from work, <laughs> then I do try and find uh, as much oh, time as I can on the golf course. Well, that's fine. That's fine. I think as we get older, we all feel a bit like that. I've started playing a lot more recently, but um, I'm no good. And Lawrence, apparently, you're very good. I've been told, and you've got a good drive. So I, I don't want to blow smoke up <laughs> you, but that's what I was told anyway. Um, um, before we go on to really talking about the thousand-person trial and how that went, and, and all of the sort of build-up to that, really, which was pretty stressful I wanted to ask you two both about the safety advisory group because we had an interview earlier um, a couple of weeks ago now didn't we in the run up to this Mike and we talked about the safety advisory group sag quite a lot but I don't really think we probably mentioned quite how important that is to the process we've just gone through so I'll let Lawrence have a minute off but what, what is safety advisory group Mike who's on it what does it do and how important is it to us going to where we need to go so the safety advisory group is chaired by the council okay. um, and basically covers the uh, fire brigade police all the, all the major services that are, are required on the match day so Lawrence obviously sits on it from the club's point of view myself and Roger have, have been involved with it since safe standing sort of started uh, but um, yeah it, it, it basically is the group that oversees the safety certificate any issues within the ground uh, any concerns with regards supporters coming in going out mm. so um yeah it's, it's it's basically the group that that gives us the okay to to open the stadium on a match day okay that's interesting i say for me you know i kind of tried to know as much as i can about the ongoings of the football club as part of this podcast and i wasn't really 100 percent sure i was in it so it's, that's useful and i think we're going to probably mention them as we go through this in terms of the steps you had to take to get the game on um and the feedback maybe you had but obviously to set the scene really i suppose is that we were we did the interview and you were talking about the work the club were doing you were probably speaking on behalf of Brian and Lawrence um, when you came on the interview last time Mike um, but obviously it came at quite a stressful period to get the kind of approval for it so I had a look at what, what the process was and you can kind of tell me whether this was true but apparently at Tuesday morning um, the Saturday before the game at 11am we found out that we could apply for the game yeah. and you had then a very stressful day of trying to get that approval which you eventually got about 2pm so I guess Lawrence you remember you were involved in that more at that point in time but was it a bit of a shock when the, the, the sort of a, approval stage came along? Were you, were you expecting it, but then it did come out of the blue a little bit? No, it did come out of the blue totally because yeah. we, we if, if I just go back go on, just yeah. a, a few weeks, we, we once we got the dates for the season starting, we, we were starting to plan for behind closed doors because that was the anticipation. So I had, to put a, I had to put an operational plan together for behind closed doors fixes that we had to submit to EFL, yep. get that approved, and then we could basically play football mm-hmm. and start the new season. So that was our, that was our sort of first protocol. But Brian and I, and along with Mike and Roger, quickly said, "Look, you know, we need to be ready just in case we do get the nod at some point to have supporters back in." So that was when I started working on the planning for the for having supporters in yeah. for, for the whole of the stadium. But on that on that yeah on that Tuesday, um, yeah we, we we got the we got the email <laughs> at eleven thirty on Tuesday morning, uh, and we had to respond by two o'clock. The instruction was we had to apply by two o'clock. So there was a, a, a hurried scurry of uh, phone calls to Sports Ground Safety Authority, local authority, uh, police, fire service, all the core members of the SAG that, that Mike's alluded to, because mm. um, we had to get their approval. And, and whilst they'd, they'd had the plans, so they knew what the plans were, um, they hadn't been approved because we, we just weren't expecting it. Yeah. Anyway, to be fair to, to all those authorities, they, they, they moved very quickly for us, and we got the, Brian got the application in before 2 o'clock, so he had to go back to EFL. And then Brian was sat, I know Brian and I were both sat on our computers for the rest of the day anticipating, <laughs> anticipating a, a fairly sort of quick response that, that never came. And eventually we found out at one o'clock on Wednesday mm. that we could go ahead. And we'd put the, I think we put the tickets on sale at two o'clock on Wednesday. About an hour I think later, yeah. Right. Yeah, so about an hour later, yeah. So we, for, you know, I say fortunately, not, not fortunately, really, we had prepared 
you know, for that scenario, but not we prepared for the scenario of the supporters coming back in, mm. but certainly not expecting it then because we were just, you know, we were fully expecting it to be unclosed doors at that point. So, so it wasn't it wasn't a case of yeah, as soon as that came through, we pressed a button because everything was pre-sorted. You had that manic few hours of trying. Yeah, to the, get the, 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 the 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 planning was was in place for yeah. for the whole of the stadium. Um, but the, the, there was still some work to do on the on the, on the sort of physicality of it all. Yep. Actually, doing putting some of the signage needed doing and setting stuff up mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. But the actual the operational planning had, had been written and the seating plan, which we poured over for days and days. I mean, that that just <laughs> you know we, we'd literally had dots before the eyes trying to work out the seating <laughs> plan. Uh, yeah, Brian and, and myself and, and, and Supercha, you know, we literally did pour over it for days to get that right okay. from the from the sports ground safety authority guidance. So just, who's Supercha? I don't know. I'm not. Uh, our she, she our uh, head of HR oh, okay, and, and finance. So, so she was so, in that so role. She, she she was sort of dealing with the Ticketmaster side of things, ah, and okay. I I was putting the plan together, making sure everybody saw it. So we'd look at it one day that that looks okay. Um, no, so we can't have that seat there and. We can't have that seat there, you know, so mm. we have to just keep tweaking okay. it time and time again. And I imagine that was one of your, your stresses, but I'm going to turn it off again. <laughs> I stopped, it's okay, it's fine, I'll let it go. Um, yeah, and Mike, you showed me at that last uh, podcast we did the, the sort of seating plan, and to me it looks quite similar to what we ended up with anyway, but I guess you were a big part of that kind of um, working with the club again, kind of making sure that that kind of was going to work on the day. To be honest, the logistics of that were, were dealt by, oh, okay. by Lawrence, yeah. um, by Lawrence, Sue, Sib um, and, and Brian. Really, it was, you know, that that was then circulated myself and Roger. We we sort of threw our ideas in, and mm-hmm. obviously concerns. I think Lawrence will agree. You 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 get to a point where you're looking at something so often that you don't see things that you know from an outside perspective yeah. you you pick up and on. I think we were saying as well that seating plan isn't something that I or we have, have oh, just okay. deal with that comes to, to fall in line with the guidance yeah, yeah. That, that, that you know it's taken directly from the guidance so you obviously you, you fit it around the the, the, the household bubbles because we did a lot of work on as you know we sent out a survey to season ticket holders mm-hmm. we looked at our database so we, we knew how many single season ticket holders are two threes and four so you'll have seen obviously on Saturday we had some single yeah. seats two, and that's how we did it to try and maximize the the, the convenience if you like for supporters to be able to sit in their in their household bubbles really that was the way we looked at it or come on your own like I did to avoid having to spend <laughs> any more time with your children than necessary. Um, yeah, I, I suppose then uh, the, the question I had here on the agenda, but we, can't, we kind of flirted over it a little bit, was I guess because of all the work you've done up front, and yeah, you did have to have those things sorted out in that few hours and get things approved, I guess you must have felt as soon as, the take away the ticket selling and all that sort of thing, in terms of the logistics of hosting the game, you must have felt quite confident once we got the given the go-ahead that you'd done all that work and it was just following the plan through, really. Yeah, yeah, it was. I mean, obviously... obviously we- I had to take a little bit of time to tweak it because the the plan was written for the whole of the stadium. Yeah. So we had to obviously look at we had to make a decision on exactly what areas of the stadium we were going to use. That that was the that was the next thing. So because it, the, there was always going to have to be that pilot game. Yeah. Um, I might I might be jumping the gun in what you might be asking me. I don't know. But, but the, the, the there was always going to be a pilot game. So everybody will have to do what we yep. did on Saturday at some point. Um, so the, the one crumb of comfort that, that's come out of this week is we've already done ours. So when, when we do get our supporters back in, we're, you know, we're Head good to go for the whole of the stadium all being well. Um, so it was a case really of, of, of tweaking the plans to, to once we decided which stand we were going to use. And, and the West Stand was, to be fair, was the obvious choice because it, the, the socially uh, distanced reduced capacity was 1,000. Yep. So it made sense to, to use that straight away. That was the next question I had. There you go. Okay. <laughs> I've got a decision to open the West Stand or yeah. East Stand. Why wasn't the East Stand? And I, I guess as well, there's lots of logistical reasons for it. You could have the food at the back, and fan zone was adjacent, and, and you yeah. know you could plan it all a bit better and stuff. But yeah, to me, I think opening the West Stand, my experience of it was it, it worked really well. To be fair, so we'll talk about the day anyway as we, as we get to it. The, the next question I had was, I suppose, one of the questions you had away from the logistics of the game going on was the decision as to whether we would open the fan zone or not, because um, you know, obviously, yeah. that if you just had people coming in, sitting in their seats, going home, that's where it feels like that would have been the least risky option but we did open the fan zone in the end which was fantastic I mean I came down and, and used it and it, was, it just made it feel like a proper match day but did you have any concerns about the additional risk of that Lawrence personally? Uh, personally no okay. um, the, the, there was a couple of things it, one is obviously because we were only using the one stand and even when we moved forward the, the no away fans here yeah. it gave us the opportunity to isolate the rear of the north stand so it gave us a lot more space. So, so essentially, the whole of the, the rear, the north stand, the fan zone itself, and the northwest corner was, was traffic free. Mm-hmm. So, so we knew we, we'd created 
a lot more space for people to be able to to come and enjoy themselves and socially distance. One one of the sort of interesting points of the whole thing, and I had a conversation with the EFL security advisor who was here on the day, was we were one of the few pilots, not just in football but across sport in general, that actually were allowed to serve alcohol. All oh, right. Quite a lot of the pilots that went ahead at different events weren't allowed to serve alcohol. It was determined by their local SAG that they couldn't serve alcohol. Um, and obviously, obviously we did. And uh, the EFL security advisor was actually really pleased that we did because it just, it just proves that it can work. Yeah. You know, and, and and I was you know I was pleased with that as well. That so that went really well. It's all right because of that fan over there. It'll be better. It's fine. Um, yeah, it was, I'm, I'm happy they served alcohol because as soon as I walked down there, I got a nice recodling, uh, <laughs> and that made my match day a, a lot better. To be fair, although they sold out of that pretty quickly, so um, I, there's nothing you can do about that, I suppose. But um, but yeah, you know, I, I saw a few fans saying was there was the fan zone a risk, and again, my, my experience a lot of the day was it wasn't. But we'll, we will come to the day in a minute. Um, got a question for you next, Mike. Really, I suppose. Um, yeah. You've been part of this whole process coming forward, and obviously the planning's going on, the logistics and stuff. But you, you know, you are supporters' represent, representation, really, the supporters' liaison officer with, with Roger Groves. Um, as you saw these plans coming through, we, we talked about the plans. But did you have any concerns at the back of your mind about anything that could go wrong? Or, you know, we trust our fans; that's fair. But was there anything at the back of your mind you were a bit concerned about? I think we're always concerned um, with the current current situation. Obviously, social distancing is a, a huge part of our lives now. Yeah. So. Very, very similar to, to how we, we we sort of dealt with the safe standing was we wanted to make sure our supporters were safe. We want to make sure that we not only put a plan in place that protected our supporters, but also our town. Because um, ultimately, you know, when the people leave the ground, they go in and mix with the fa- friends and family. Yep, so yep. It, it, it was very important that, you know, the, the plan, everybody was comfortable with the plan. And like I said earlier, to be honest... As soon as we sort of had the information through from Lawrence and myself and uh, Roger have been, I think, came down three or four times, did walk arounds with Brian and Lawrence, uh, went through the plans. It, it was pretty pretty obvious from from our point of view that we couldn't do anything else. It was as safe as you know anything else that you've yep. been doing in the last couple of weeks. To be honest, mm-hmm. um, we're very lucky in 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 the way that our, our ground is is set out that we've got a huge amount of space around the stadium which allows very easily for social distancing so whilst you know if we were still at Gay Meadow we would have had a, a massive massive problem <laughs> um, we we haven't had that and, and like Lawrence said we were able to to, to segregate the the, uh, the the back of the the north stand to allow a huge amount of space for the fan zone, which which meant that you know social distancing again wasn't an issue. Yeah. So um, no, I mean we were we were all very very comfortable with the plan Good. that we put in place. Good. And in in the run up, the other thing you guys had to do was a nice little video on the website showing everyone how to do it. Have you had to field any calls from Hollywood or any acting jobs recently, Lawrence? Uh, <laughs> Two television appearances. I don't, I don't know which was which was the easiest, the TV or the, or the video that was going out locally. I'm not too sure. Uh, to be fair, that that video was um, I thought was fantastic for a fan in terms of invest investing people into what I, they were going to expect. I, I think we we were all, you know, I know Brian, as you well know, and and, and myself, we're always keen to involve the fans in, in what we do, and you know, especially through the support we get from from Mike and Roger. Yeah. So it, it was. It was really sort of paramount that we got that information over so that people knew what to expect when when they came and and you know I think I'd like to think that we got some good feedback on that so it obviously did get the message across. It's good. We should expect uh, animated you know videos <laughs> with you guys of everything we need to go through in the next few years. I think that's uh, that's fine, isn't it? Um, I suppose the last question really for me just before we get to the match day was I wasn't again we talked about the SAG and um, you know the, the process the, the part they played in that process but when it came to the match day who were we trying to impress because obviously this was a trial for the whole of football you know a, a government sanctioned trial I assume the SAG were here looking at what was going on but were there people from the government or anything like that? No we had um, we had the inspectors from the Sports Ground Safety Authority okay. who are who are, who obviously developed all the guidance and, and, and reporting to government we had the EFL security advisor okay. who again is reporting back to EFL and, and to government through DCMS and uh, 
somebody from the local authority okay. who sits who sits on the SAG as well. So the, the, the three main bodies, if, if you like, EFL, Sports Conservation, the SGSA, and, and obviously the local authority. Okay, interesting. So yeah, there was a, there was definitely that. I, I yeah. saw a few people who looked slightly official looking with a full <laughs> suit on, and everyone else was in football. Well, well Martin Gervin, who's, who's, who's from the SGSA, as uh, you know, is, is our regular inspector. And that's been ah, okay. some time. Martin, obviously, Mike knows very well from his support and. In, in safe, doing safe standing as well, you know, and, and they are very supportive. Obviously, you know, we, we have to meet the expectations, but the, you know, they, they do support us in, in everything that okay. we do. And then, yeah, we'll, we'll get to the day really, and and sort of that experience of it. Um, and you know, you talk us through a match day, your normal match day, and at half eight and away at six thirty. But was this match day a more onerous job for you on that day, Lawrence? I was in a little bit earlier, okay, <laughs> <laughs> just to make sure. Yeah. Um, I, I suppose it, I suppose it was because it, it was. I, I would say it's totally different. I mean, the, the concept for, for the for the match day was actually born out of the concert because we knew oh, okay. we if, if we we knew that the, the, the sort of the, the external fence line sort of system would, would work because we've done that we've done that for a concert. Mm-hmm. So that that was where the, the, the sort of the idea came from. Um, you know, we knew that we had the eyes of you know the, the, the country if, if you like. World, what, yeah. You know, watch it because it. You know, as important it is for us, it's important for football in, in general. And, and from my perspective, you know, my main driver was make, firstly getting our supporters back in, yeah. but more importantly, getting them in and, and, and being safe and, and obviously and enjoying it. Um, and you can do all the planning in, in, in the world, but if the supporters don't buy into it, then you're going to have issues. And I have to say, yeah. they, they bought into it like... I just can't, I, you know, I can't praise them enough for the way that they they bought into the plan. They did everything that was asked of them, as they did with safe standing. I mean, Michael tell you the feedback we've had every time we've had an inspection on safe standing, and there's yep. been numerous of those. As of my, the feedback we've had from Martin Gervin <laughs> has always been fantastic. He always speaks to supporters when he's here, and he gets that feedback as well. Um, and it was it was exactly the same on Saturday. And you know, I really can't sort of speak highly enough of of all the supporters that came on the day for, for buying into what we were trying to trying to do and, and making it work because they say you know the plan was there and they met, and it's the supporters that made the plan work and I think this is one for you Mike is that you know our, our fans totally respected the opportunity we were given that fans around the country weren't given and, and we wanted to get it right for, for everybody else really. and I bang on about our fans on this podcast all the time I think we're some of the best fans in the country we're, we're, we are fantastic and we rally around our, our local community but you were here early, Mike. I saw you walking around with Roger with your official coats on that you get given on the day. Was there anything, you know, I bet maybe in some respects you were expecting a couple of issues to crop up you might have had to deal with, but was was there anything? Were there any fans that approached you with problems or was it a bit of a, a clear ride in the end? To be honest, it went it went brilliantly. Um, <laughs> so no. I don't, I don't, I don't think um, I don't think any of us could have... Um, I think if we had sat down the day before and gone through, you know, the ideal ideal scenario for, for Saturday um, we wouldn't have been far off you know what actually happened on the day mm. our, our fans were absolutely brilliant um, you know we spoke to a few who had you know little concerns about when to wear face masks when not and you know but everybody was so relaxed uh, yeah it was uh, even, even at the end I mean I, I don't think you'd be hard pressed anywhere in the country to find a set of supporters that exited the ground like our supporters did on yeah. Saturday, you know, to, to the extent, you know, our stewards stood at the front, moving them out sort of block by block. It was, yeah, it, it couldn't have gone any better. Clockwork, like clockwork. It did feel like that as a fan on the day as well. And, you know, we'd been set out with the instructions beforehand and, and everyone followed them. And, it, and it, it, you know, there was no additional hassle really in terms of other than sitting there with a mask on, which some people didn't like. But it wasn't, it wasn't really, you know... A, a, an onerous experience to me and I think the, the fact that we were watching our team play football again you know outweighed any negatives there were um, until we lost well, the, the, the <laughs> you, you, make, you make a good point about the, about the maths in particular when, you know, and you know we had a, de- a decision to take pre-match about how we managed that whether we went for uh, as we did in the end strongly recommended whether we made it mandatory yep. you know that, that type of thing and I think again you know Michael bears out it goes back to that sort of trust element of, of we know what the supporters can do and will do from, mm-hmm. again from the history of safe standing mm-hmm. so we went with stru- strongly recommended and I think we, we the, the comment from uh, Martin Gervin from the SGSA was that at least 95% of supporters were wearing were Definitely. wearing face masks and, and you know I was really quite pleased with that mm-hmm. um, it made it a lot easier than it being mandatory and all the issues that come around that you know, you know 
making people wear them, people who are exempt, and all those issues that come around that. So for you know for people to do it themselves, again, it's, it's buying into that plan and realising yep. the importance of it. Well, there is a picture of me online not wearing a mask, but I will say in my defence, I had just eaten a burger, <laughs> and I think I was just putting it back on. So you got to let me off on that one. Um, yeah, I would say the, the the way it went, it just it just felt really really um, really good and stuff, and yeah, the masks and. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's interesting because when I first thought about doing this, I thought, oh, there might be, you know, I was thinking about doing this last week before it happened. I was thinking, oh, we might have lots of little controversial things to talk about, but it doesn't, it doesn't seem like yeah. anything really cropped up, which is which is fantastic, really. Um, I suppose I was going to kind of move into sort of after the day now a little bit. Um, before, uh, there were two things, really. We got a really good feedback, and I'll come to that in a minute, but did you go home that night, either you thinking, oh, do you know what, actually, there is something I wish we'd done slightly different, or was it, was it so smooth you, you didn't even think of anything you could have improved on it? It's a difficult question I, if you thought it went well. I, I sort of genuinely think it went it, it went pretty much as well as, if not better than we anticipated, uh, to Glenn, to be perfectly honest. Brilliant. And, and, the, and the feedback we had on the day from the, the, the inspection authorities, I mean, Brian made a comment publicly the day that, you know, Martin, the SGSA had said to him, you know, it was a 10 out of 10, I'd give you 11 if I could. And that was a, <laughs> that was, you know, that was a genuine comment for, from, from the SGSA. So I think that in itself just shows you how, how well it went. Well, it's interesting you say the 10 out of 10 because I'd noted that Brian had said that and I yeah. wondered, did we get like a little report card or was it just verbal feedback no, that, 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 that was that was verbal on, on after the game <laughs> on the day but we, we did get a formal email on Monday morning okay. um, to, to, I think it went, certainly went to Brian and myself. Did that come to you, Mike, as well? I can't remember. Okay, uh, but any, um, from Martin Gurm from the SSA and that really outlining um, the fact that he would support us going forward with a, with a full socially distant stadium wow. as a result of the of the trial on Saturday, so that was obviously nice to get on Monday morning. Because you know, although we'd had the verbal feedback that this was you know this was formal in an email that, that he would support us going mm. forward. In that email, I suppose you mentioned that they thought the mass thing was really good. Was there any other things they highlighted as have been really quality and things that maybe they weren't expecting? Because they haven't had that many pilots, have they? So I suppose they're still learning. No, I mean not not particularly. I, 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 certainly. Martin's the only one that's done sort of a formal. It's not a formal report. It's mm. just an email saying that he will okay, he fine. would support us going forward. But Bobby sort from the from the EFL commented on the day about the, just the general security of the operation, didn't you, Mike? Yeah, about yeah. you know about how good that was, about how you know how the the plan worked, how the spectators stuck to the plan as well. And and, and I think that you know a lot of that is down to the information that they had beforehand because I, I think the information we put out hopefully what well, it did work obviously because people knew what to expect when mm. they came in. Okay, that's fine. So I suppose this is a trickier question, really, and, and maybe between us, I might delete this. It depends on what you answer it by. I'll ask it anyway. But so it's probably a trickier question, I suppose. Is that um, you know, obviously we have test and trace now, and we took everyone's details because we knew all the season ticket holders are. There's been no comeback. There's no one who's been ill at the game, and we've not had to chase people. Like, you know, we can't know that, I suppose, in some respects. But there's been no COVID-related issues to anyone that was at the game. Nothing, nothing, nothing that we're aware of at the moment. No, that's brilliant. Yep. Well, there yep. you go. We'll all have to get this app downloaded today. It's, I should say yep. we're recording this on Thursday when everyone's got the app now, and I put it on my phone. It drained my battery life of Bluetooth in about five minutes. So, the <laughs> problems. I'm sure we'll, I'm sure we'll get past that. But I say there's things you know. I say talking about improvements. There might be ways of checking in at games now, and the Bluetooth thing will enable us if we do something like that again to kind of understand if someone did do that, isolate yeah. them more. Well, well I, I noticed that there was, I think there was a comment last week or so about t- temperature checks that was in the yeah. supporters' code of conduct that we didn't do. Um, but what, what as part of the sort of risk assessment process, I, I'm looking at reasons for doing things and, nece- and not necessarily doing things. And my sort of reasoning behind that was at the moment, um, the infection rate in the counties is, is still very low. Mm. Um, and we know that the vast majority of supports that are coming are coming from within the county. Yeah. So, you know, that, that might be a level that we go to depending on where we are in, in the future. You know, we might start doing temperature checks. We might start doing health questionnaires. Those mm. are just things that we might have to look at as we, as we move forward, whenever that is now. Um, but it's based, you know, based around where we were at the weekend, that those are the decisions that we took. Yeah, I, I guess it's a case of, and Mike's a business owner, and I, I work in business and, and have kids doing different sports things and kids at school. Everybody's in the same boat regard regards everything. The government guidance can change from one day to the next, and it's about being fleet-footed enough to kind of move with it and, and maybe continue your life in the best way possible. So I guess that you've kind of always got to keep that in, in, in your mind when you're coming up with plans and proposals as well, haven't you? Yeah, I think, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the plans have changed you know, regularly, right from mm. right from beginning of July when we when we started writing plans for the first team and the academy coming back into training, 
the, the plans are developing on you know on, on, a, on a weekly basis, even daily at some point. You know, the risk assessments change because the guidance changes, and it's just an ongoing yeah. process. And, and you know, I, I wanted to do this really to get it out there. How fantastic you guys at the club, Brian and, and the other people you mentioned. I think it was Sue, the sports days and officers, everyone who's, who's chipped in to help this. I wanted to kind of get the message out there that this was like safe standing, an absolute mammoth effort, and, and the club deserves a million percent credit. Um, but I start with you, Mike. Really, you've seen it. First hand, you've been in here involved in the whole process and seen how hard everyone's worked. When you found out that no more pilots were going to come forward, despite all that effort and how safe and how well it went, how frustrated did you feel this week when that announcement was made? Gutted. 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 <laughs> um, yeah, I think we, we had an inkling on, on Saturday, I think, with right. everything that, that, that's gone on the week before. And, you know, there were already talk on TV of, you know, potential more lockdowns and, um, you know, so. We, we sort of came into Saturday wanting it to run like clockwork, wanting to make sure that, you know, if we were given that chance to go forward and, you know, get 3,000 fans or just under 3,000 yeah. fans into the into the ground, um, we, you know, we were ready to go with it. Um, but, you know, I think um, I think from a, a lot of the, the news stories you'd sort of heard on Thursday, mm. Friday, uh, it was it was looking pretty obvious when we came in Saturday that you know potentially it would be a one-off and um, you were still hoping you know and all the feedback that we got we were yeah. still hoping that you know come that the announcement yesterday they would they would still allow pilots and, and still potentially allow social distancing games to continue but um, obviously it's not to be at the moment. No, and I guess you, you could say the same. Feel like you've had the rug pulled from under you all of a sudden. So gutted is the word, yeah. I suppose. I'm afraid, yeah. I'm mean, gutted for everybody, for you know, for 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 ourselves, for the work that we've done, for the club, for for the supporters, yeah. for football in general. You yeah. know, to, to be honest, because you know, it's not just to be fair, it's not just Shrewsbury Town. You know, every every club in the country has already put, all, even though there was only seven pilots. I know, I know from speaking, you know, to, to my colleagues at other clubs that you know, every club's put a lot of work into mm. to get to a point. Um, and, and now you know it's just it's just sort of on, in, in abeyance until, whilst we keep lobbying and, and doing what we can to you know to keep it keep the pot boiling as it were um, and, and keep things moving, then you know we we've, yeah we are just literally gutted. I'm afraid. And that, that's the stage we were talking before we recorded. That's the stage right now, isn't it, where you were talking about lobbying basically to try and to try and get things. But it's not just our football club, is it? You know, you were talking about everybody in football basically lobbying to try and. Yeah, get well, well, what do you we've, think will? You know, if you take a view now of all this lobbying going on, where we're at now, have you got an initial thought about what's going to happen, or are you still sceptical as to where well, we'll go? I mean, our aim, like it was a few weeks ago, is we want the supporters back in the ground at the earliest opportunity. We, we've proven it's safe. We, we know yep. it's safe to do it. We've, we've proven that we've proven the concept. We've proven, or the supporters have proven that they'll buy into it and, and do and do what's expected of them, which we knew they would anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, what I would ask people to do, we've sent out, I think it's already gone out, is a, sur- a, a survey. Yeah, uh, I think you've probably well, had yeah. that. Obviously, we'd, we'd encourage all our supporters to fill that in because the feedback we've had so far, uh, certainly Brian and myself, has every every sort of element of the feedback we've had has been positive. Brilliant. One, one or two little issues raised, as, as you expect. That's 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 the nature of the beast. You know, yep. some, you know, maybe a bit signage here, a bit signage, whatever it may be. But if everybody can would really fill that feedback in that's part of the sort of the lobbying process all that feedback will go back to EFL who will in turn sort of present all the findings to government through through DCMS mm-hmm. um, I know Mike, Michael I'm sure I've talked more about it but Mike and Roger have put a support liaison officers uh, letter together oh, right. that's going out to, to uh, all the other clubs and support liaison officers um, and we just keep on that process because you know we don't know when fans are going to be allowed back in the ground but what we are determined to do is keep pressing and pressing and pressing to get them in at this opportunity. And we're not, you know, there's this talk about up to six months. Well, you know, as far as we're concerned, we're, we're working towards next Saturday, if right. not next Saturday, the Saturday after, yeah. if not then the Saturday after, and we'll just keep pressing as best we can to, to get that in as early as we can. No, I mean, the football club have proved that they'll back the fans and, and they've, they've proved it works, as you say, so I've no doubt that, 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 that they'll put their weight behind whatever process mm-hmm. it is to get fans back in there. I mean, talk briefly about what you're doing, Mike, you mentions a letter, but I assume supporters, ladies and officers across the country are all pretty united in, in the in the mission to get people back, I guess. I think anybody in, 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 a, in football clubs is, is ultimately... Once fans back in, it, it, it's, it, it's obviously, you know, it's the heartbeat of a football club is, is their yep. supporters. Um, the the big issue that 
every club has got in the country now is they've got no match day income. Mm. So if we can't get supporters in into grounds, uh, how you know can we safeguard footballing going going forward? Shrewsbury is you know a, a very well run, very stable football club, but we know you know from the the likes of Berry and and. and other clubs, Maxfield. You, know, Maxfield yeah. you know, there are a lot of football clubs in the in the country that will potentially be looking now and, and thinking, well, actually, come March next year, we'll have run out of money way before then. Um, so, how does football look come next March? Nobody knows, and, and ultimately, it isn't just the football clubs; it's the communities that these football, you know, that our football club serves. You know, if Shrewsbury Town was to disappear tomorrow, it would have a massive impact on the town and the community. And so that is now happening in pretty much every every town around the country. So if we can't get fans back in, and it's not safe to get fans back in, although we believe that we've proved that we can have fans here and it is safe, we've got to try and find a way of, of, of safeguarding football clubs. Um, so... That come next March or whenever it is, we've we've got clubs to come back to yep. support, and that that's not just sat here as a Shrewsbury Town fan. That is every football fan up and down the country. Um, we'll 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 have that decision to make, really. What, what, what I would say as well, sorry, is, is that you know whenever that call comes, we will be ready. Yeah. I, I, ironically, I was, I was thinking on I was having a conversation after Saturday, um, before obviously we had the the rug pull that we may well have been in the same scenario next week had the pilots gone ahead this Saturday mm-hmm. on, on the 26th um, it may well have been the middle of next week before we got the feedback for them to then say you can go to your, so- your fully social distance stadium so we might have been in a sort of similar position <laughs> where obviously things have moved on a pace since then but we will you know whatever that date is we, we, we will be, we will be ready yeah I think you know at the end of the day Shrewsbury are one of a number of sports clubs and I won't just say football clubs because it affects pretty much all sports isn't it you know, cricket yeah. clubs yeah, rugby yeah. clubs you know even golf and tennis clubs if, if things change and essentially you know I, my view is that they've given a lot of money to the arts to save the arts and I think they're going to have to do some sort of sports safety fund but it feels a little bit like the government and the premiership of brinksmanship with the rest of football because the government want premiership to bail out the EFL <laughs> and the premiership don't want to pay that money and if they do, they're going to want some 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 things from the FL over it, and it it just feels like you know for a small football club because like sometimes we might find ourselves in the middle of a little battle, and, it, and, and that's not going to be much fun, is it, over the summer? I th- I sorry, think, winter. <laughs> yeah, I think I think the, the the big issue is the preconception. If you're not a football fan, the preconception is that football has is is flush with yeah. money, up and down the leagues, everybody is absolutely loaded, and you know what does it matter that you know they've not got fans going mm. in, they've got a load of money anyway. That isn't the case, you know. If you take out the Premier League clubs and, you know, I'd say half the Championship clubs, you've then got every other football club in the country, whether it is grassroots or semi-professional, professional, that potentially could disappear. Mm. You know, this is a, a this is a, a, a going to be a huge, huge problem. It's worse than the, I, I put on Twitter. It's worse than the ITV digital collapse. If you remember that for, for mm. lower league football, there was a lot of clubs on the breadline. Then wasn't there, and luckily they scrubbed around and got a TV deal off someone else, and it saved a few. And then it went from there, didn't it? As football kind of grew through the nineties and early two thousands, and this feels like a much bigger existential crisis for football. And I think we'll have to probably have Mike back on and, and maybe involve Brian and other people to talk about if this does last for six months and rules don't change, what can we as fans do to help? You know, and one, one of the questions I, I kind of wanted to ask you, really, Mike, it's kind of around this trial and everything that went on but obviously we're in this situation now where people have paid a lot of money for season tickets and we might not be able to get back as much as Brian and you guys work so hard it might be that we are not back in the stadium for six months and I guess the next challenge for the sports agent officers and the club is what do we do now about money because people might get a bit twitchy about it and, and they pay 360 quid for, for I, I follow passes if there is no football and that stops potentially then what have you paid season ticket for? Nothing. And it's going to be a really difficult thing for Brian to deal with, and I guess with your support and everyone else at the club to try and find solutions through tricky tricky times. It, it, it's, it's not just season tickets, it's, it's everything. I mean, you know, the, the big problem is, like I say, Shrewsbury Town now is in a, like every other club, is in a position where we have no real match day mm. income. I'll be honest, I think, if we, you know, if the football club has to, to go and refund every one of our season ticket holders it would be absolutely disastrous yes it would um, it, you know the EFL are doing everything they can with iFollow 
to try and bridge that gap between what people have paid and and you know what they're they're getting as a season ticket holder. Um, I would encourage you know if you can if you can afford to that you know you 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 back the football club and that that's a very difficult thing to say you know that it's a very very difficult thing to say but you know for us to to refund all our season ticket holders um, financially for the football club uh, would be. I I did a few back of fag packet calculations based on an average ticket price taking out all the free tickets we've got what we've sold so far and even to refund I think it was 15-20% of season ticket holders would be 100 grand do you know what I mean? And that that isn't that isn't an insignificant amount of money to Shrewsbury Football Club. And we can be quite proud as a club that we've got our reserves and our rainy day fund. But if we're into the the realms of giving back 50, 60, 70 percent of season ticket holders their money back, then our rainy day fund is not the longest, is it? And we we may we might not be in as much trouble as other clubs, but we could easily get ourselves into trouble. So that's more of a long term question. I think we as fans we're going to need to kind of soul search a little bit and and then maybe find ways to even help um, help going forward. One of the, one of the thing the last question on really in terms of this the problems of football at the moment, Lawrence was. There are limitations to what we can do at this football club in terms of playing games and having fans in, but have the club started to think, and, and maybe this is a question for Brian, but have the club started to think about any other ways that they can use this facility over the winter that is COVID secure to make at least a little bit of money or income, or is it is it just a bit of a no-go like it was over the summer? Um, I, th- I think there's all, all, we'll always look at options. It, it's it's finding the right options at the, at the right time of year. Um, you know, there's things like... Top outdoor cinema, for, yeah, for instance. But do, does that work in the winter? No. <laughs> you know, pro- probably not. Who's going to want to come out in you know first week in December and sit in the car? Mm. To, you know that type of thing. There's, but you know, Brian, I'm sure, and and the rest of us will look at any options that we can. You know, we, you know, hospitality. We haven't got hospitality open yet. You know, there's all sorts of things that that we'll have to look at to see where we can bring some income in. Because one of the ideas I've had, and you can shoot this down now, but this is something that I, I, I talked with a few fans about, is that on a match day, you've got you know a game going out there, you've got the Sovereign Club. Is the Sovereign Club limited to how many people you can have in there when it's socially distanced? What would that number roughly be? Uh, it, it depends. We, we haven't... Well, have got a, a maximum number, but it depends on, on, again, who's coming with regards to households and, and, yeah. and bubbles and yeah, so on. Yeah, tricky, isn't it? We're, 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 we're less than... We're sort of less than... Round about, round about a half of our... Sovereign members, but that's across the across the hospitality, mm. not just the sovereign club. Probably the Arthur Rowley as well. But I was meaning that I was meaning like because one of the things we found over the lockdown in the summer, and Michael probably have had a lot of feedback from this from various people, is our fans become very got very isolated, not not having any football for ages, and then the Absolutely. summer away and mental health problems. And I know the community team do a lot of work for that. And it was just a case of yeah, the match day might be happening here, um, and we might not be able to physically be in the stadium. But is there a way to have the sovereign club or? one of the bars even just to get a few people in and have the game on the TV there so that at least fans can kind of be together a little bit in a, in a safe way I don't know I'm, I'm putting ideas out there but maybe that's something for, for the club to start to look at and yeah. it can it be achieved I don't know but it's just things like because if you had the bar open and food it, it's there, a there bit are, of money there, there, are, well. there are all sorts of options you know I yeah. mean, to be fair I think the last everything's moved so quickly over the last week or so, yeah. we? so we've gone from you know we've gone literally in a week from playing behind closed doors to having a, a thousand <laughs> To then having three thousand, yeah. to having none, yeah. so in, in literally in, in in a week. So that you know, I think we probably just we'll give the club we'll a couple let, more the, weeks. The dust, needs to, the dust needs to settle just a little <laughs> bit, and then obviously we can start looking at other no, things. But you know, I, I'm I want to be, I will remain optimistic and I'm optimistic in that. As I say, we want to get our fans back in as soon as we can, and, and, and you know, whenever that is, we'll, we'll be ready to do it. I'm fatalistic. That's my problem. <laughs> so uh, I'm already writing the whole season off. Cancel it now. Anyway, we'll be safe. You know, if we do it on points per game, we'll be fine. Um, I suppose just what we've got you here, Lawrence, to finish off our last few questions, and Mike might have a few questions about this as well, because I'm sure if there's one thing that you get asked about a lot in your job as sports liaison officer, Mike, it's booze. Um, but <laughs> whether it be relay on tap, yeah. whether it's flowing yeah. bottle beer, whatever. But one of the questions that comes up a lot, and we've talked about this in the sports parliament, and you know, I'm sure fans who've been at SP meetings will, will know about it. Is you know the the options of and he worked at Edgerston, so this is a really good example. Is being able to have a drink within a view of a football pitch, and it's quite to me it feels quite an archaic um, thing from the 1980s when we had all the hooliganism that's never really gone away. Um, much like standing and terracing, which is starting to be eroded. In your view, uh, being a part of that industry, can you ever see that rule changing? There has been some some talks around it um, in that. Um and I would say it's actually against the law. It's, yep. it's illegal yep. to drink in view of the pitch, as, as, as you probably know. Mm-hmm. 
that was something that you might you may have seen cropped up last week because obviously we were because we were using the two corner gates and not using the concourses people couldn't bring a drink in through the gate because yep. they're in view of the pitch straight away so we have to sort of manage that there has been some talk around EFL looking at that because of the sort of type scenario that we'd set up EFL were entering in some talk around that about whether it would be feasible um so I know there's been some movement on it. There was some talk a while ago. Um, it, in fact, it was around uh, when we the 17 season. Because I was at a couple of security meetings ahead of the Wembley trips, and I was talking to uh, oh, okay. I was talking to um, the chief exec from Exeter, and they were looking at doing a trial. But <laughs> ironically, the, the the police told them you can't actually trial that because it's against the law. <laughs> you can't run a trial that's against the law. You know True what I mean? So, I'm going to trial. I'm going to trial and yeah. driving 90 miles so, an hour. Not so <laughs> that, but I know there are some there are some ongoing talks about that. Um, I've I've seen it firsthand, as you say, Ed Baston and, and other sporting events, and it can create issues. So you, <laughs> yeah, you, 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 you'll know. I think you, you like cricket as well, don't you? Yeah, You're I've a been cricket man in, in the so you know the old beer snakes mm. and all the rest of it, and, 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 the, and the issues that that causes, and so on. So you know, the, the, there's a there's a bit more to it than just sitting and having a drink watching the game. You know, but the, it's not it's not a dead subject. It is something I know mm. that's being talked about. Whether there'll be a change. I, I honestly don't know. I, no. I honestly don't know. It is tricky, isn't it? it yeah. You know, I go I go on holiday to Austria and Germany every summer, and I and I see see people drinking, and, and yeah. it, you know that seems like quite a placid thing. But I suppose it's the middle of the summer, and everyone's quite happy the season <laughs> starting at that time of year. But yeah, I do understand it. it. It's 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 a debate that continues to roll on. It's something we've had at the sports park meeting a few times, isn't it, Mike? And yeah. as I said, you, you get a lot of questions about booze, don't you? Oh, it's huge. Amount. <laughs> and, and and it's you know I, like everything else. I mean, you know, I'm sure we'd be. You know, I'd, I'd certainly back looking at it and, and trialing it because and. You know, because with our experience, we, we know yeah. again our supporters will buy into it. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, from a purely personal point of view, it's not something I would necessarily be against. But you know, ultimately, it's out of our hands because it's you know, it's mm. it's not our, it's not within our remit to to do it anyway. I just feel like this football club, when we approach any change, we do it in the most reasonable way possible. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's, and it all seems to just work out in the end most of the time. So I think that's probably a good approach if that ever changes. But um, there was another question actually I was thinking about, Lawrence, which was. What you know, obviously, we had that trial. This is the only, the only home game we had in the league so far, and we had a thousand people here, and we were there, and we know what that was like. But did you come down to the game we had on Tuesday night when there were no fans here? The the, 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 the cup game, yeah, the the cup, cup. yeah, 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 what, yeah. So you know what? Because obviously we weren't there, and we're not behind these closed doors. Eh? It's press yourselves and, and people who work. But how awful is it? Like, what is? Is it just very, very poor to watch? It, it, it is. It's it's strange. It, I saw a comment the other day. Somebody said, I think it was one of the managers from a club, if I remember right. Somebody said, every game's like a pre-season friendly. Oh, rubbish. You know, because there is literally. I mean, it, even even Saturday was a little bit strange because I I'd gone out from the control room to to look at just to observe and meet with some of the authorities, and uh, unfortunately Northampton scored, but I didn't even <laughs> I didn't even know. Oh, no. Because obviously it was just it was just quiet, and normally you'd get you know you'd get the mm. roar from the well. I didn't even realise it happened because I wasn't inside the pitch, you know. And so so sort of Tuesday night was 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 a little bit similar, you know, because it, up in, certainly up in the control room, it's it's a sort of sealed room, so you don't get a great deal of noise anyway. So <laughs> so on, on Tuesday night when you're behind closed doors, it's Nothing. it's just like <laughs> you just can't hear anything. It's all very 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 strange. Very you, strange. Not in your head, Mike. Like you came on Tuesday night. Are you, are you no, been, no no oh, no no. I was going to say well, there are no supporters here, so I'm oh, not allowed to come. So <laughs> <laughs> I said, you officially worked for the club pretty much. I was wondering whether no, you came. No, no, no. It is, no. as I say, I, I wouldn't worry about that either way. But um, yeah, that, I, you know, I'm just intrigued. We did an interview with Lewis Cox and talked to him about the the Middlesbrough game and how old that was. And yeah, um, yeah it's it's an interesting one, but. Uh, just the last one then you mentioned safe standing and a question that came to my mind really for Mike I suppose was I wasn't aware that people were still coming and doing reviews of it and how it was working and stuff I guess this is last season in the main but you know that's quite interesting and, and it's it's, posit- it's positive every time is what you were saying before yeah yeah I mean it, it's, it's been positive I, I don't think we've ever, we've never had a negative thing said about Brilliant. safe standing here um, our supporters have been unbelievable I mean the, all, all the all the fans that are in safe standing. I've said it before. Of, you know, we we really challenge them to to take responsibility and ownership of that area because it was such a massive mm. step for the for the football club and for football in this country. And our supporters have been unbelievable, just like they were on Saturday. Yep. You know, and I think that that was you know one thing that going into to Saturday, um, and I think we I think myself and Roger both said it last week when we. We're talking to the the Shropshire Star. Um, was you know 
we were asked why you know you, you're confident about Saturday. Well, yeah. Well, why are you confident? Well, after safe standing, why wouldn't we be confident? You know, our, <laughs> our supporters just took it to heart, took ownership of it. We've never had any problems. Everything has been positive. So, you know, why why would we have an issue come Saturday? We're trying to get a thousand fans into yeah. the ground. Yeah. You know. um, the last question I was going to ask you, Brian. Uh, the reason I went into safe standing then is was gonna, uh, Brian um, Lawrence was. You obviously joined and then kind of went straight into the whole safe standing thing. So I just wanted to like, talk to you about how proud you were of it. Because I don't think we've never heard of you other than a few press interviews. But Mike's talked about safe standing until he's bored of it. So um, I'll come off what Mike just said to that as well. Yeah, it's, it's a good point that, Mike. I mean, Lawrence, you talked about joining in 2017. But it was kind of a, I guess it was a baptism of fire to come into a club where it was normal match day, normal match day. And then it's all of a sudden, oh, we're going to change the law. We're going to install safe standing. First club in Britain, in, in England. You know, was that... Are you really proud of that looking back? I guess you must be, but yeah, challenging. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so, some of the groundwork had been done by Alan Roberts, my predecessor, because yes. that was the, sort of the design process side of it had been done. So my my role was sort of picking up the, the operational stuff, writing the operational plan and the risk assessments, making sure we went through the SAG process. We had to get building control involved because mm. it was, it was a, a structural alteration. So making, again, really almost back to the safety security issue, making sure that we complied with everything we need to comply with. Um, all the plans have to be passed by by the SAG and the SGSA, and because it was such a big issue, you know, countrywide, not 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 just for us. It, yeah, I mean, I am really proud, and um, and, and I think again, you know, it's just testament to the fact that the support has bought into it. That the yep. feedback that we've had every time has, has been just so positive, because as, as I said before, Martin Gerben always makes a point of talking to the supporters when he's here. Um, so he gets he gets that feedback firsthand, not 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 from me or, or Brian. You know, he gets it from the supporters themselves, um, and and he's always said, you know, that they they love it. You know, they, they they literally have taken ownership of it. Okay. So yeah, it's really good. That's good stuff. I, I, I'm out of questions now, boys. I do appreciate this chat because I, I think it just for anyone that listens to it, especially for our fans' base, I think you know, as I said, sometimes we don't see the work that goes on behind the, the club, and you know, over the years I've been very critical of the club for certain things. But I think when when the best of our club shines, whether it's through the fans or the work that you guys have done, we should sing from the rooftops about it. That's what makes us as, as a stronger fan base. So. Yeah, all I've got to say is thanks for joining us, Mike, and, and we'll have no you back on as the season goes. Um, and Lawrence, nice to nice to learn a bit about you and, and My sort pleasure. of yeah, yeah and, any, anytime. Yeah. Can, can I, I, I would just oh, if, I, if you don't mind, yeah, I, I, I just in the time <laughs> under tradition, I, I would like to just say thanks to, to everybody. I mean, for, like from the chairman and, and Brian and all the staff at the club who backed everything that we've wanted to do, Mike and Roger for the support that they've given us. And, and, and just the supporters on Saturday, you know, it's, it is a genuine sort of thank you to, for everybody, you know, because we. I thought we put on a pretty good day on Saturday, um, and you know hope yeah. it will it will benefit us in the long run, as I said before, because it had to be done. The fact is, the next stage has been delayed, but we're good to go. 